0: Father God, we want to thank you for being with us and being with our relationships. Help us, Lord, not to depend on on ourselves, on our personal senses, but to depend on you and on your will and on your revealed will in Scripture. And so, Lord, we pray that you guide and lead us through this presentation and help us to give honor and glory to you. For we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. We're talking about breakups and I want to begin with my personal story. I'm Alan Parker and I teach here in the School of Religion at Southern Adventist University. But my story with breakups began when I was seven years old. I was a young man interested in two women at the same time, which is not normal for most seven-year-olds. But I think part of the reason why that happened was because I was from a broken home and I was desperate for love. And so if one woman is good, two women must be better. And so it got complicated because these two girlfriends of mine, as we were spending time together, they started to fight and I couldn't understand it. Like a simple thing like going down a slide into the pool and I thought it was very fair. One would go in front of me and one would go behind me and that would be fair. But then the one girl got out and jumped in front of the other girls to push her further away and then we'd go down into the water and then they'd start fighting with each other and it was a mystery to me. What so happened that there was a little banquet coming up and they had invited the the kids to come along to the banquet and so I went to them and I said is it okay if I take two girls They looked at me and they said, no, you're only allowed to take one girl. Well, now I had a real dilemma. Which girl was I going to take? And so after carefully praying it through, I came up with a solution. I would go into the playground, up to the swings where they were, and the one who spoke to me first would be the one who I would take to the banquet. And so I walked into the playground, walked up to the swings, and there they both were, and before I could say a word, the Lord answered my prayer as to who to take. Both of them spoke at the same time and said, we're breaking up with you. We're going with other guys. We're tired of being second string girlfriends. So we want to go with a guy who will pay attention to us. We were seven, I might add. <laughs> and yet that's what had happened right at the beginning of our of of my journey into breakups. And I was highly disappointed. I had to take some six-year-old girl I didn't even like to the banquet. And I was thinking, you know, how can this be? How could both of them have broken up with me? Well, how do we deal with breakups? Obviously, breakups are something that... uh, Is that working yet? Okay, we're trying to get our PowerPoint working. Obviously, breakups are something that can be very challenging for us. Uh, If you've ever gone through a breakup, you can find that it's sometimes one of the most painful things to go through. And because uh, we've been through breakups, we watch friends, friends go through breakups, my wife and I have decided that we wanted to do a presentation on breakups, what causes them and how to prevent them. Because this is one of the most significant, one of the most painful things that we've ever discovered. All right, our title for this presentation is How to Avoid a Breakup, How to Win a Loser or Win a Winner. So you can choose which kind you're willing to have. So I want to begin with the day it all went wrong. It had been... Yeah, thank you. It, it had been a, a nice day. I traveled all the way to a different country to meet up with a girl. We had been corresponding... And uh, she was in the middle of Africa, and I had had to go on a chicken bus. I'm serious. They actually had chickens on the bus just to make it out there. On the way to her, the bus broke down. And we had to get picked up by another bus. And in Africa, somehow they managed to get a 60-seater bus to seat 85 people. And we managed to get all 85 of us and the chickens onto this bus. And finally, I made it out to this girl's house And her dad was thrilled because he had begun to give up hope that she was going to get married. And along came this guy who had come chicken bus and all to his home. So in great excitement, he gave us the keys to his pickup truck. And he told us to go and watch a movie. So, and he put a mattress in the back. (laughs) So I was like, wow, he really trusts me. And he says, you're like studying to be a pastor, right? Yeah. Well, I trust you. And he handed me the keys to his pickup truck and we headed out. And we went to a drive-in. Now I know we should have been going to a movie and that was part of the problem that we're going to discuss. So we headed out to this drive-in movie, turned the pickup truck around with the mattress in the back there. And looking out, we watched the movie and I forget what it was. It was... I think Free Willy 2 or something. And so there we are watching Michael Jackson is singing in the background and, and, and we're watching this and the music's playing and it's dark and I'm looking across at her and suddenly she looks like the most beautiful woman I've ever seen in my entire life. Of course, I had gone on a chicken bus to go and see her. And so yeah, I'm looking across at her and as the music plays, I, I, in that moment of romantic atmosphere, I look across and say, will you go out with me? She looks back across, clasps my hand, and goes, yes. Now, I don't know what happened in that moment, but it was as if suddenly the music stopped playing and the picture for perfect frame cracked. And I looked at her and... And I don't know where my eyes had been beforehand, but now I'm, I'm looking at her, and I just don't have those same romantic feelings. Within the space of nanoseconds, those feelings had disappeared. And as she's putting her hand into mine, I feel, you know, this strong farmer's daughter's hand grasp mine, and I realized she was stronger than me. <laughs> and, and, and I'm looking across at her and realizing what am I doing here and so all I could could do was look at her and she goes did you hear what I said I said yes I'll go out with you this is the happiest day of my entire life and I'm looking at her and going what have I done and so I just mumble and go yes that's, that's wonderful <laughs> We go home. She says, you're real quiet tonight. I'm I'm just thinking. And the next day I get up and I realize I have made a terrible mistake. Now, what would you have done? Well, I know I just had to go through with this. I went up to her and I said, look, I'm sorry I made a big mistake. I don't know if it was the music, the movies. I don't know what it was. But we can't. We need to undo whatever it is we did last night. And she says, are you breaking up with me? No, 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 not breaking up. What I'm doing is DTR, defining the relationship. We're like friends exploring the possibility. But last night, didn't you ask me to go out with you? maybe <laughs> but that's not how I'm wanting to talk about it right now you see I have got stuff to process I am messed up and so I was dealing with it and I realized I am a jerk with a capital J now have any of you reached that situation don't raise your hands where you have done something supremely stupid in a relationship yeah that was my experience I was thinking about it, and I say, what went wrong? What was the problem here? Was it that she wasn't the one? Did I have divine intervention? She is not the one. Was that what went wrong? Was it her personality? You know, was that the problem here? Or was it just simply my immaturity? See, I can tell you this. At a certain stage of my life, happened to be my college years, The dating years, right? It didn't matter who I would have dated. I would have actually broken up with anyone I would have dated. You know why? Or they would have broken up with me. Why? I wasn't mature enough. I didn't know what it really took to make love work. And that's the problem when we come to dating, is that if we're not ready to date, then you will break up or you'll get married and just wish you were broken up. And we've had people that we've engaged in premarital counseling. They've even gone ahead and gotten married. But at the end of the day, they've told us we wish we had never gotten married. And so what is going wrong here? What makes marriages succeed? Now, it used to be said that what made marriages succeed was a lack of communication skills. Like, really? You know, the real problem here is you didn't start in the right way. What I I heard you say was... Um, Let me get this right. What you're telling me is, I, I feel like what you're sharing with me, is that really what makes a relationship break up when you can share back with them I messages? I even taught seminars. You know what the real need here is? People need to know how to express themselves with I messages instead of you messages. No, 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 that's not what causes marriages or relationships to succeed. Instead, one fellow, he had kind of a love lab, John Gottman, and he would have couples come in and like stay for the weekend and he would tell them, look, we're gonna put some cameras on here, not in the bedroom, okay? Just." Elsewhere, and we're going to watch your communication strategies. And then he studied them over years, and he tried to formulate why is it that some couples do well and other couples don't do as well. And he traced which couples ended up breaking up and which couples ended up succeeding. And he suggested it was not the communication skills, but the attitudes with which we approach communication. So the real problem with breakups, he suggested, is not that people can't share iMessages, is that they're not going to share iMessages even if you tell them because there's an attitude that's going on here. And so he suggested that within five minutes, within 94%, he could determine if you were going to get divorced or stay married. He could determine within the next five years if this relationship would make it or whether it would break. And how did he determine that? He said, look, I just see, number one, how do conversations start? If conversations start in a very negative way, you know, I just can't get it. Why are you always doing this? As soon as they had a harsh startup, he said, bad sign. Then he talked about the four horsemen of the apocalypse. This is not the book of Revelation. <laughs> this is the book of discommunication. And so he would say, if there was criticism in there, and he said, criticism is, this is um, destructive criticism. This is not dealing with an issue. This is when you're criticizing the person. You've known relationships like this. They criticize who the person is, and then it moves to contempt, disrespect. I can't believe that you do things like this. And that leads to defensiveness. It's not my fault. The reason why this happened was because of this. And then there's stonewalling where the person just walks away. I don't want to talk about it. Let's just shut it down. I'm tired of talking about this right now. And he says, if you have these four horsemen of the apocalypse going on, in the five minutes that he watches your conversation, he says, I can tell where this is headed. And then he says, what would really clinch it are these last two flooding, where a person just feels overwhelmed by the amount of criticism that they're getting or by the lack of love that they're getting. And then he said, if, if they can stop an argument from getting out of control, you know, most healthy couples, when there's an argument that begins to spiral, they know how to say, hey, time out. This is getting out of control. I just need to back off. I need to think through what I'm doing. But unhealthy couples, man, they want to win that argument. They're going to take the knife. Pwah! Let me, let me jag it in and let me turn it. You get my point, okay? You get my point? They, you know, eventually someone's crying and the other one's angry and, this clear indication I mean if you get that in the first five minutes end of story this relationship is going down the wrong way any of you seen relationships like this? yeah and now amazingly some relationships hang in there like we're going to make it work no matter what and so some people said well maybe this isn't the whole story but it is a part of the story it is a part of the story but I think that there's more to it than this and we We're going to take a look at a biblical reason why fights happen. Because fights lead to breakups. So why do fights happen? James chapter 4 verses 1 through 3. What does it tell us about the reason why fights happen? It's found in a great book I read recently, number one bestseller on the New York Times. It's called the Bible. James chapter 4 verses 1 through 3. What does it tell us? you lust you don't have you desire the things which you don't have what's the problem here Why is it that you're desiring things you don't have? You get into a fight. I often say conflict results from unmet expectations. And so what happens is you have an expectation that this other person is gonna provide for me. They're gonna look after me. This other person is gonna do what I want. And when they don't do what I want, I get upset with them. Don't you know what would make me feel loved? If you really loved me, you would do this. And that unmet expectation results in conflict. So the real problem here is selfishness. And a lot of the reason why breakups occur is because you get two selfish people together trying to get out of the other person what they would like. It it leads to something we call codependency. Any of you heard of codependency before? What is codependency? Codependency is when two people have made an idol out of the other person. And so here you get a person with an empty love cup going to a person with an empty love cup. And they get sucked into each other. Oh, this person will fill me up. It'll be such an incredible experience. Oh, I love being with this person. Look, they even like the same color blue that I like. We must be meant to be together. Oh, look, they love the same music. They, they even get teary-eyed at the same point in the song. God has put us together. This person will fill up my need. And then selfishness kicks in. You know what? They're not doing everything I like. And and Why? Why do they sniff their armpits or whatever the case may be? And then, I can't stand you, but I can't live without you, but I can't stand you. I'll never be with you again. Day later. You know, so any of you ever seen relationships like this? And if you've ever been, don't raise your hand on this one. In to that. I certainly have. And I was codependent. And my problem was I was trying to get the other person to fill up my need that was inside of me because I hadn't met that need in God. Another fellow went decided to study breakups. I mean, what a depressing topic. But that's the nature of the seminar. And so Ted Houston studied couples who were dating, 168 of them, and traced them from their wedding day through 13 years of marriage. Now, what he found was couples who begin marriage in romantic bliss, danger signs, watch out here, are particularly divorce-prone because such intensity is too hard to maintain. You know, when you come in on cloud nine, this person makes me feel so incredible. Notice what I'm bringing out here. This person is so wonderful, I can't believe how I ever got by without them. This person has made me feel like a million dollars. What's the problem? I'm focused on my feelings. And that's impossible for any person to maintain. Now, I praise God that I am more in love with my wife today than when we were dating. Amen? But that doesn't mean that I always experience the same intensity of feelings. You get this? Because the intensity of feelings in that honeymoon period, you can't maintain them if that's your expectation of marriage. Every day I'm going to wake up and roll over and look at my wife and go, yeah, baby. I am on top of the world. I am a lion. Yeah. You know, if if that's your expectation, the reality of life, you're not going to be woken up that way. You're going to be woken up with, your turn (laughs) that's that's often what happens in marriage is the mundane details but the beauty of marriage is that love is deeper than a feeling Amen. and if you're dependent on feelings the feelings will fade and we'll deal with that in a moment So he says it's the loss of love and affection, not the emergence of interpersonal issues that sends couples journeying toward divorce. So why do couples get divorced? According to Houston, he says, it's because they've stopped showing love and affection to one another. And if you've read Advent Home, you quickly discover that in Advent Home, she says, the early affections need to be maintained. They need to be continued. Because if you don't, then this will happen, and we have reversed it, as we're gonna see in a moment. In particular, Houston goes on, the two first years are key. Now, he's looking at marriage, because he started them in late courtship, going into marriage, but I believe this is true of dating relationships, too. The first two years are key. That's when the risk of divorce is particularly high. Most relationships don't make it past two years, right? In fact, most relationships on this campus struggle to make it to two months. You know, they're kind of celebrating. Yeah, we made it to two months. I'm like, really? All right, so. And the changes that take place during this time tell us a lot about where the marriage is headed. Loss of initial levels of love and affection are key as to whether that relationship is going to end up in divorce. Because this leads to bickering and fighting and to the collapse of the union. And the key finding from his study was that disillusionment leads to divorce. Now, this is not a Christian study, so I want to step back and say, what's going on behind here that led to the breakup? What was going on behind the scenes? Why was there a loss of love and affection? You can respond. Why was there a loss of love and respect? Christ was not as far as it Christ was not in charge of their life so you can be loving for a brief period of time and another person will give back love to you and you can feel great but you can't maintain that unless you've got a source a higher source of love to feed you so what goes on is this it's like my brother when I was trying to figure out dating he was a little older than me four years older than me so he was in a relationship and he said to me I am in love and I said how do you know He says, because I would throw myself under a train for this woman. I said, wow, that must be love. I mean, sacrificial. Isn't that what the Bible says? Then two weeks later, they were broken up. I went to him. What was all of that about throwing yourself under the train? He says, shut up. (laughs) My brother wasn't a Christian. He was like, look, you know, stop bringing up old news. I have a new woman now. She's the one I would throw myself under the train for. (laughs) You can feel like throwing yourself under the train for that person. But there has to be something more. And what leads to the loss of love and affection is because you are selfish and you want that person to fulfill your needs. So as long as they make you feel good, you'll throw yourself under the train for them. But as soon as that feeling fades, you won't do it. See, true love is a principle rather than just a feeling. And it's something that grows, and it's based on knowledge. And then if you follow the right process, you won't have disillusionment, you won't have a breakup or a divorce. So here's the dating trap, and I know this is a little hard to see on the screen, but the dating trap is I have a thirst for love, so I attempt to get that thirst for love met in intimacy, and then as I become more intimate with that person, I end up in a commitment to that person and only then do I actually figure out what that person is like. <laughs> now, I thought, you know, maybe I was unique. Maybe I was the only dumb one who followed this. But then I looked around, I began to see other people doing it and I, I happened to see a section of what seemed to me to be a really dumb miniseries. It's called Awkward. <laughs> And I looked at it, and the little bit that I saw, it was exactly like this. And I was like, B- by the way, please don't watch that thing. It is, it is totally a message from the dark side. And here's the message. The message is you can commit yourself before you, ha- you know the other person. And somehow, even though it will be awkward, it'll work out okay. Now, I'm going to suggest to you that this is a trap. So if you want to win a loser, do this approach. Here's what it would look like. First of all, for an insecure relationship, we're introducing you to a new class, Insecure Relationships 101. For an insecure relationship, the first thing you need to do is flirt. Flirting is wonderful. And you guys know how to flirt, how to, you know, kind of stand. Raise your eyebrows, you know, and you act cool. You know, I, I, I saw one notice once that says, sometimes teenagers are so busy being cool, they're in danger of being frozen. So, you know, there's a way that you flirt. And the whole purpose of flirting is to enhance the excitement of romantic feelings. I think he likes me. I think she likes me. Woo! And then that's to create what we call the tingles. And the tingles are those electrical impulses that seem to go through your body, like, woo, Yes! I am hot! (laughs) You know, so you have those things going on, and she's thinking, I've got not just one guy, but five guys who like to talk to me. And they have a way of talking to me. It is so cool. So this is the kind of thing that's going on in flirting. Secondly... You end up choosing based on attractiveness. So you kind of scan the crowd. And, and maybe only guys do this, okay? But I think girls kind of do it too. Yeah. Guys, like, have a scale. Have you ever heard them? Like 7.5, <laughs> 8. And the whole point of the scale is to see how high you can get on the scale before you lose out. You know, because you go too high, they're going to reject you. You know, if you go for a 9 and you're a 5... She's probably going to go for... But you never know, right? <laughs> so you, you have this idea in your mind of this attractiveness scale, and you go for the highest you can get. But is external beauty what really counts? Uh, my wife and daughter were having a discussion, and my daughter was like, I'm not sure, you know, if I'm, if I'm as beautiful as so-and-so. And then, uh, you know, they were having this discussion... And so my wife responded back and said, well, look, I'll tell you, pretty is something that, you know, you're just given by birth, by nature. But beautiful is something you give the world. See, internal is so much more important than external. The things you count as so great now, they're not going to count as much later on. The jocks in high school, you know, the guys who were so cool in high school, they barely even have jobs, some of them, right now. And the people who married them have miserable lives. (laughs) Not all of them, but I'm just saying a lot of them I knew. Those guys who were so cool and so attractive back then, you know, those women wish they'd never married them. And the ones who are not the cool, not the attractive ones, but they're solid inside, suddenly they seem really attractive later on in life. Why? Because they have an internal beauty. That outshines that external beauty. So, if you want an insecure relationship, just base it on attractiveness. And the problem with this is how many of you have been attracted to the wrong person? Don't raise your hand. Yeah, but how many, I've been attracted to the wrong person. I remember we were going to a wedding. I was already a pastor, but I'd gone through a breakup and I was on the rebound. And so, while I was on the rebound, one of my uh, students was getting married. And so at the wedding was this other girl, and I was a young pastor. So there wasn't a big age difference, but there was one of her uh, bridesmaids. And this girl, I just found incredibly attractive. I don't know if it was the red hair or what, but I started hanging out with her. I started flirting. I started basing my attention on the attractiveness, and then she slipped her hand in mine, and somehow that short-circuited my brain. And my brain shut down and I was just like, you know, following her around. And uh, then she says, come, let's talk, you know, and praise the Lord that woman get you to talk because then you find out things. So I'm like, "Okay, you want to talk? So I'm holding her hand and then she starts talking about stuff. And I'm like, hey, wait a minute. And my brain started to surface. (laughs) It's like she is nothing like me she has a totally different way of relating to the entire world she was totally feeling based you know and so she was like yeah i like to do this and when i speak in tongues it's so awesome you speak in tongues (laughs) don't get the wrong idea and so i was like what what is this woman like and she's telling me about her life and she's she doesn't she's not even an adventist which i thought she was and i'm one i'm an adventist pastor i'm like i'm holding the hand of a potential pagan. (laughs) And then the thought came to my mind, maybe I can convert her. Oh, evangelistic dating. And then I'm like, and then fortunately my my mind kind of came up a little bit out of the fog a little further, like, what are you doing? And so I just kind of let her hand go. And I said, maybe we're going too fast. And she's like, but it's so perfect. Perfect. I was like, that's another way in which you're not like me. (laughs) And so again, we had this awkward breakup. Was I doing the right thing by basing it on attractiveness? No, you will get attracted to all kinds of people who are not good for you. The third uh, way to get involved in an insecure relationship is to initiate the relationship quickly. I've given enough examples so we can move on. It's like this, love at first sight. But what are they thinking? he's going to come and bring me flowers every day and declare his undying love. And he's thinking, she's going to bring me food and let me watch TV every day and take care of my needs and I'll be the king of the home. Because they don't understand what each other's looking for. Remember, conflict is the result of unmet expectations. So, initiate the relationship quickly, then isolate yourselves, because this is great, because you just spend one-on-one time alone, and you're going to get more and more intense. As you get more and more intense, you're going to get more and more physically involved, and progress as fast as you feel comfortable. Let's just see. Ooh, holding hands. This is good. Ooh, kiss. That, we're getting somewhere now. And next thing, you're going as fast as you can go. And then ignore the danger signs. You know, there's little things, like came up in my uh, situations there, and you just ignore them like, I don't need to worry about that. I, I'm going to go with my feelings. Because if it feels good, do it. You know, just follow your heart. But what's the problem with that philosophy? The heart is deceitful. deceitful. So you're following your heart. Your heart doesn't know what it's doing. I mean, some guys, they just have to see a skirt. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, you're not a dog. You don't go running after every tire wheel that goes past. (laughs) Ignore the danger signs and then make the other person your first priority. Turn them into an idol. Everything has to be about that person. So, the first breakup occurred, Adam and Eve. Now, I don't know, it doesn't say they got a divorce, but they certainly had a tense moment which led to a whole bunch of breakups, led to the breakup of their family, certainly. What went wrong with Adam and Eve? Well, we know certain things. Eve trusted to her senses. She trusted to her feelings. You know what? It looks harmless. It seems harmless. It feels harmless. I'm just going to trust my gut intuition. That's dangerous. She trusted to that. And then she tried to get her husband to get involved in this whole deceptive game, and she manipulated and persuaded him to go along with this. Now, I'm going to be real honest. In my own life, I have engaged in Eve's sin. I've done something outside of God's will. I have trusted to my feelings, and then I try to manipulate the other person to go along with it. I was on bad ground. I was on the same ground that Eve was standing on, and it was going to lead to a breakup. And if you are looking to get happiness out of this relationship and to do whatever it takes to make you happy, you're in for a surprise. Researchers tracked more than 24,000 people from 1984 to 1995, asking participants every year to rate their overall life satisfaction from zero, totally unhappy, to 10, totally happy. And the average boost from marriage was small, one-tenth of one point on the scale. Out of what? Ten. So if you took it out of 100, it would be 1%. So they concluded, people who get married and stay married are more satisfied than average long before the marriage has occurred. So what we find is in a relationship, if you're looking for happiness, marriage is not going to make you happy. And so you can't find happiness by getting married. And yet there's a desperate desire for people these days to find the partner and to get married. And it's wrong. So what I'm suggesting is if you want a happy marriage, you first have to have a holy marriage. And my wife is going to be giving more details on that in a little while. But if you want a happy marriage, you've got to begin with a different kind of process. In the dating trap... You have this love thirst, but you don't know how to satisfy it. So we're suggesting pull back and first satisfy your thirst outside of the relationship. People who are not needy are able to truly love. People who are needy are always going to demand the other person's attention. You're not loving me right. You're not giving me enough. Why can't you do this? No, first we have to learn to minister to other people's needs by having God minister to our needs first. So when a situation occurs in in a relationship, let's just say in a relationship somebody comes up to me, um, let's say they're a husband and wife and they're having a marital difficulty or it's a dating couple. And let's say the woman says, he never gives me any time, he's always working. That's his focus. Well, that's an issue to deal with. But here's one of the things that we might say back to her. How can God use this situation to make you more like Jesus. See, it doesn't matter what he does. The question is, how can God use this to turn you into being more like Jesus? And if you follow that, then it doesn't matter what the other person does. Everything can result in your character development. What's negative is if you're always expecting the other person to make you feel good, they will never succeed. Breakups occur because we can never satisfy another person's thirst enough. So, satisfy your thirst, then build knowledge of the other person, and as you build knowledge, grow in commitment, and then grow in intimacy. If you do it the other way around, you're going to end up in trouble. So, what comes first? Knowledge, Knowledge, then commitment, then intimacy. These three follow. So... uh, Immaturity is characterized by the inability to wait. So when people say, I just can't wait, I've got to get into this relationship, that's immature. You've all heard of the uh, marshmallow experiment, you know, where they gave a marshmallow to kids and see if they would eat it right away or if they could wait. And so they were able to figure out if those kids who were able to wait did much better in life and school and everything else they had like 160 points on the SAT scale better than their counterparts maturity is the ability to wait if you're going to be together for the rest of your life another month doesn't matter why do people feel like they have to rush into marriage or into relationships instead of taking their time. And the more you do the homework, the less you risk heartache or mistake. That's just how it works. I love Adventist home. It says, make haste, yeah. That means take your time. You got time. You're not gonna die tomorrow. What if you do? Then you got a heaven to look forward to. You know, you got time, but what if she goes for someone else? Really? That's what your relationship's based on? I got there first. The reason why we got married was because I got there first. No, be a quality person, and you will attract quality persons. They're going to take a look at the other person and go, man, that quality guy, I need to go back to him. Man, that quality girl, I need to go back to her. Make haste slowly. So here's the other course we're going to offer, Secure Relationships 101. Be genuine, not flirtatious. To trifle with hearts is a crime of no small magnitude in the sight of a holy God. And yet some will show preference for young ladies, call out their affections, and then go on their way and forget all about the words they have spoken and their effect. A new face attracts them, and they repeat the same words and devote to another the same attentions. So what we need to do is we need to not trifle with people's hearts, but instead take this seriously. Other people get their affections and energies up based on what we say to them. So be genuine. Then invest in healthy, non-attraction based friendships. Learn how to relate to members of the opposite sex by having friends with them. Because you'll discover all kinds of things. Women are not like men. They think differently. They act differently. Not all women and not all men, it's a stereotype. But people are different, learn how to relate. Learn how not to be a jerk by relating to people of the opposite sex, and have friendships outside of that instead of immersing yourself in just one friendship. Uh, One of the greatest tragedies is when a person has gone through their entire university life and they've only known one other person. You have all these people surrounding you, high school and college, but you spend all your time with one person, and then you break up. Wow, end of your life, you look back. Eight years of my life, I knew one person and then they broke up with me. It's kind of sad. And then you don't want to break up because who else is there? I dated a girl for three years and we broke up. We broke up because she said, I don't want to be an Adventist Christian anymore. And I'm not sure that this relationship is healthy And I was so desperate because I didn't have other friends outside of that circle. I said, well, you know what? I'll leave ministry and I'll just be with you and we'll make it work. She says, why? This relationship is unhealthy. And I said, because you're my best friend, my only friend. Where else would I go? She says, that's a dumb reason. I said, I know, but it's true. (laughs) So she broke up with me. And every day, for months, every day when I got up, I I'd be in the bathtub and I'd be imagining, maybe if I'd just proposed to her, it would have been okay. I'd imagine myself in my mind going up to her, music playing in the background. Will you marry me? And she'd go, yes. And then I'd like come to again and go, but we'd still have an unhealthy relationship. You know, sometimes a breakup's a good thing but if you haven't developed relationships outside of this it's not wise so I get to know each other in a wide variety of settings have other people around ask some questions and my wife's gonna cover that so I won't spend too much time on there and stop worshipping the an idol well pure love will take God into its plans and will be in perfect harmony with the Spirit of God passion will be headstrong rash unreasonable defiant of all restraint and will make the object of its choice what an idol so uh, stop worshiping your idol it's a credit card or money i think it's money actually so stop worshiping your idol stop making this person in the place of god then uh, build within a network and progress prayerfully let me put those two together Uh, we decided when we were getting to know each other because i'd made so many mistakes in the past and my wife had learned from her breakups. She said, if we're gonna do this differently, what about, let me push back a little. Let me push back a little. And so when I went to hug her, when we were saying goodbye, we'd known each other for two weeks. She said, no, you're gonna think about it because right now you're operating off of feelings. Cool woman. And so she sent me away to Africa. Well, I was going back there. And I was 6,000 miles away And I was now corresponding with her and she and I wanted to ask her out, so I sent an email, the big question. And it was, Will you go out with me? And she wrote back, No. What kind of woman is that? (laughs) And I was like so then I sent her back the not so big question. That's literally what I titled my email. And the not so big question was this is, You're right. We're not ready to make a commitment. So let's just commit ourselves to getting to know each other so we can know whether or not we should make this commitment. And then she said yes. And so I started dialoguing. I wrote to her mom, I wrote to her spiritual mentor, I spoke to her best friend and I said, give me the lowdown on who this woman is. And they did. They said, would you do that? <laughs> Depends which friends. And they, they did, they told me stuff about it and then she contacted people in my network, friends, uh, my spiritual mentors, my parents weren't Christians, so she couldn't go to them. And she started to find out, what's he like? Tell me about him. And as we got to know each other, and then we got this book, um, Questions to Ask, really getting to know your life made to be. Unfortunately, it's out of print. But we got these questions, and we started asking each other questions because we wanted to know each other before we made a commitment. And then as we got to a commitment and proceeding prayerfully, we put a covenant together. And our covenant talked about the rules and the boundaries that we would make so that we could effectively get to know each other. And it had things like this. We covenant to seek God's will at every step. We are willing to challenge and forsake our personal preferences and opinions by examining them against His word, His actions, and His leading. We promise to support and uphold each other's ministries. Uh, We promise to be honest with each other, telling the truth in love. We refuse to play games with each other's feelings or to engage in any form of manipulation. Well, maybe that was a little ambitious. We commit ourselves to openly... (laughs) You always are manipulative, you discover. We commit ourselves to openly sharing within an atmosphere of trust, love, and respect. And then we got down to it and we said... um, we, covenant, we promise to express our love through, to each other only in ways appropriate to the purity of a Christian relationship. We therefore covenant to avoid all kissing, prolonged or intense hugging, and any caresses incompatible with Christian purity. Our relationship will seek to express genuine love and respect for God and each other while keeping our minds clear and consciences pure. And then right within this, we said, and if God should show us, If either of us believes that God is not leading us together, he or she will be free to share the reasons why in honesty and to terminate this relationship without guilt. We planned for a potential breakup. You know why? Because if you do it God's way, it's not as traumatic. Yes, it'll always be traumatic. But those relationships where I got physically involved were far more traumatic than when I followed God's standards of purity. So we learned, we said, we're not gonna do that. And if we feel God's not leading us together, then we will break up. And so uh, I'm gonna skip down to, to this last one. So I'm encouraging you, if you're in a relationship now or if you're considering a relationship, seek for God's will as you move forward. Watch for any danger signs. And then, if you do it right, you'll end up with a marriage that doesn't break up. You'll end up with success in a relationship that is as solid as a rock where you can grow deeper and deeper in love each day. And that's what I believe I found with my beautiful bride. Our relationship goes stronger despite kids, despite sickness this last week. Our relationship grows stronger because God is at the center of it. Let's pray together. Father God, we want to thank you that when we think about breakups, we think about a God who is able to step in and show what genuine love is. Not a feeling, not you make me so happy, but you said true love is learning to follow God's will no matter what it costs, no matter what it takes, and is willing to do what is best for the other person, even if it leads to personal grief and pain. So, Lord, help us to look at love through the eyes of the cross and to avoid unnecessary breakups. For we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.